Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Well, it's week one of our new series, Marked for More. Wherever you're watching from today, I want you to know that your life is marked for more. How good is the word more? Like for any good thing, how great is the word more? Do you know God has more in store for you? I believe God's more is not only something for the distant future, but even right here and right now in the season that you're in, God has more for you. Well, a few years ago, I was living in California and there is just an array of restaurant options in the city of Los Angeles. It's really a pretty great food city, uh, both for quality and certainly for quantity. Well, there's this one restaurant, it was called Pizza Rev. At that point in time, it was like a revelation for myself and for our kids, our whole family. And it was pretty near to the church office that I worked at. And so it was a a frequent spot that we would go to. The allure of Pizza Rev is that for one simple, easy cost, you could put on any topping that you wanted on your pizza, and you could put on as much of that topping on your pizza. And so fairly regularly, I would find that meetings or hangouts after church ended up at Pizza Rev. Well, you'd go in, and I think it was about $8.99, you'd get a pizza, and they put whatever you want on. And so I I had a friend who, when ordering, would would order a gluten-free pizza with a little bit of marinara sauce, some cheese, and a few pieces of pepperoni, like maybe five for $8.99. Well, that wasn't me. Like like when I went in, I'm like, how much am I allowed to put on? They said, sir, you can put on whatever you want. I'm like, yeah, I know you say that, but if I were to say more, like what would the response be? Like, sir, you can put on whatever you want. Like all the sauces, all the cheeses, all the meats, all the vegetables. You can layer it. You can do whatever you want. And so it became my practice when I went in. I would order my pizza. I had the, the spicy sauce. And I would say, first of all, can you put down a layer of all of the cheeses you have before I start putting on toppings? And then when it came to the toppings, I had you know the specific flavors that I wanted, a, a perfect flavor profile. And then they had a, a container full of bacon. And when they got there, I'd say, I'd like you to put some bacon on. They said, absolutely, sir. How much would you like? I said, why don't you just put as much as you think I might want or and that I might even be embarrassed to ask for and then check back with me. And so they'd start to put on, on some bacon and be like, how's that look? And I, I'd say, oh no, I'm not even close to embarrassed. If you could put some more, that'd be great. After the bacon, then I would say, now at the end here, can I go put another layer of cheese on top of this pizza. And you know, as I'm talking, somebody, your, your mouth is beginning to salivate. You're, you're feeling this right now. I had spices on top, everything. And this pizza, it was starting to look like Chicago deep dish style by the end. My pizza was also $8.99. A friend with four slices of pepperoni paid the same amount as I did. It's a picture of the vibrancy of more. I think there's a lot of us, we are living with a gluten-free crust and four slices of pizza, uh, of pepperoni in our spiritual walk, thinking it's good enough, but God intends more for you. This month, 
we're gonna try to discover what that looks like. This month, we're just gonna focus in on what could that possibly mean for us if God has actually marked our life for more. Now, you might be watching today and you say, well, that's cool that you think God has more for my life. Prove it. Awesome, I love that attitude. In fact, every time you come to Vivid Church, I'm totally okay with you having a bit of a prove it attitude. It's kind of my job. That, that is the, the whole intention of looking to scripture is not to just make some outlandish claim. And it's not just to, to make a claim that you'll only live up to the experience you've already had either. It's to say whatever the Bible promises, I can actually apply to my life. And if it's in here, then it can actually be alive in here. So why don't we pray? And then we're gonna dive into a passage of scripture that I believe will prove this to you. Can we pray? Jesus, I thank you right now for every person who is a part of our church in Vancouver, in Toronto, scattered around the world, those who maybe today are watching for the very first time who have been invited in by a friend or a family member. God, for those who found this today because the YouTube algorithm invited them to, I thank you that they're here. And I pray that as we share these moments together, that you would prove yourself that you really do intend to do more in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Now the word more is so cool because it is a word of comparison. So in order to establish what there is more of, we need to actually find our baseline. Does that make sense? Like if I said something was hotter, you'd say, cool, hotter than what? We'd have to start somewhere. Oh, it's, it's warmer outside than it was yesterday. Well, how warm was it yesterday? God wants more for your life. Cool, more than what? These are all great questions. Why don't we look to the book of Ephesians chapter one. In Ephesians chapter one, we're gonna start by establishing a baseline of just like at the very least, here's how good it is in your relationship with God. At the very least, at the, the bottom floor, this is how good we have it in Jesus. Ephesians chapter one, starting at verse three. And as I read this, I'm telling you, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I have like 20 words in this little passage of scripture that I've underlined. Because as I read them, I was like, ooh, that hits hard. Ooh, that's so good right there. Oh my goodness, I got to ponder this and think about this a little more. I bet you you're going to do the same. In fact, today, maybe you're not a note taker, but today, I think you got to be. Like, get out a piece of paper, pull out your phone, and get ready to take some notes. Here's the baseline of what you've already experienced in God if you have surrendered your life to him. It's just so good. Ready? Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us. Do you know that God chose you? He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and to be blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. It means this, God was excited to choose you. God didn't get stuck with you. God didn't pick you by default. God, he, he, it's not like he's choosing teams and goes, oh, I guess I'm stuck with the last choice. You were God's first choice. You are God's choice out of his own pleasure. He is excited to be in relationship with you. Verse six, to the praise of God's glorious grace, which he freely has given us in the one he loves. God gave his grace freely. God is not, you know, pained to part with his grace and going, you better do the right things with it. It's a free gift. God's pouring out grace out of the fullness of his grace. We're all receiving one grace upon another grace 
upon another grace. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through the blood. We have forgiveness of our sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. This means he poured it out. God has an unlimited amount of, of his love and grace and he's pouring that out liberally on our lives with, with expense, with extravagance, and with pleasure. How good do we have it in this relationship with Jesus? It says this, he did that with all wisdom and understanding, and he has made known to us the mystery of his will in accordance with his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put in effect when the times had reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This means that God actually wants us to understand what his will is. It's for his good pleasure to reveal himself to us. When I tell you God has marked you for more, he's not just playing some big cosmic prank on you. He actually wants you to understand what that more is. Verse 11, to him we've been chosen. We've been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Verse 13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You were marked. We're gonna come back to that. Let me read one more verse first. It says, you are marked with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. I know I read a lot of scripture there. Now you know why I've got like 20 things underlined. What a beautiful, holistic picture of the blessings we have in God. This doesn't sound like a God who's predisposed to being angry towards us, a God who's leaning away from us and, and nitpicking our problems. This sounds like a God who's extravagantly pouring out his love upon us. This sounds like a God who, who is serving us with something that we desire and saying, would you like more? I'm happy to give more. Love? Oh, of course, I'm lavishing it on you. My, my purpose? Of course, I want you to know what my purpose is. This isn't a stingy God. Like you could actually push God a little bit and find that that you get no pushback. We say, God, I, I need more of your love. He's like, absolutely. It's the very thing. How long to give you? It's like, I can I have a little more bacon on that pizza? Well, absolutely. It, it's yours already. You've already got, uh, got, got access to it. This is the love of God in our lives. And the Bible says that he has marked us with the seal of the Holy Spirit. On that note page that you're, you're taking right now, if you want to put down today's title, it's very simply signed, sealed, delivered. Signed, sealed, delivered. The Bible says that God has marked your life with the seal of the Holy Spirit. This word marked is, is an interesting Greek word. I want to tell you what it means and, and help perhaps to illuminate a picture of how this would look in our lives. This Greek word Sfragizo, sfragizo, which means a seal, a seal. Now we're not talking about a seal like a, a ocean-bound creature. We're not talking about a seal simply like licking an envelope, signed, sealed, delivered. It, it's more like, like a signet ring. I, I have actually this ring right here. 
that uh, recently when my son Titus turned 13, I made us rings that look the same. It's got kind of like a, a specific insignia that means something to us. And it's kind of like a seal. Well, in, in that time, in the time and culture of the Bible, a seal was used significantly as an indication first of ownership. And so somebody's seal unique to them with maybe a name or an insignia could be used with some hot wax to place on a document kind of in, in place of a signature. It was an indication first of ownership. God has sealed you, and by marking you with his Holy Spirit, he is saying, you are mine. And not only are you mine, but I am yours. We belong together. The first thing you need to know about being marked for more is that God, in giving you the Holy Spirit, has already said, you belong to me, and I belong to you. We belong together. I don't know, I don't know what your mom is like, but my mom, when I was growing up, used to put my initials on everything or write my name on everything. Like at least everything I would take with me to school. Like my lunch, uh, my lunch pail had my name in a permanent marker that never wore out. And my pencil case had my name written out in it in case I ever were to lose it. Someone would know how to bring it back to me. My mom, like she was a little extreme, even to the point. She would put my initials like in my clothing somewhere on a tag. I think she put my name on the inside of my underwear. And I'm thinking even at that age, mom, if I get separated from my underwear, I don't think we want it back. But, but it was that, that thought. I want everyone to know that you belong to this item and this item belongs to you. You belong together. When God sealed us with the Holy Spirit, when, when we surrender our life to Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, seals our life and says, you belong to me and I belong to you. We belong together. You are marked for more. You belong in relationship with Jesus. You're not that one person that just sticks out and doesn't really fit here. You absolutely belong in relationship to Jesus. And so everything that the Apostle Paul just said was true for the Ephesians is also true for you. God is lavishing out his love freely for you. He's pouring out his grace liberally in your life. He wants to share his will absolutely with you. He, he, he's blessing you in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Why? Because you belong to him. And he belongs to you. You belong together. Not only was it a, a, a seal, a sign of ownership, it was also a sign of authentication. So not simply just a signature saying these are my words and this belongs to me, but also it was used when measuring uh, the portion of a certain item. Like if I were the foreman of a warehouse and, and there was grains that were coming in after measuring the grains in a container or in a sack, I would place my seal upon that saying, this is 100 pounds and here's my seal authenticating that what's on the inside of this has actually been found good. That, that if a precious metal or some sort of a gem was brought in to be weighed and measured, they would say, this is this portion of gold and the gold is found this percentage pure and I'm going to put my mark on it, my seal on it to authenticate that I endorse what is on the inside of this package or this item. So the fact that your life is marked for more is not only that God owns you. It's not only I belong to you, you belong to me, we belong together. It's also God endorsing what's on the inside of you. It's God saying, 
I like you and you're right in my sight. How beautiful is that, that when you are in Jesus, the Bible says this, that the old is gone and the new has come. And in Christ, he became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. So the seal of the Holy Spirit on our lives is the indication that God says, I like you and I'm for you. And I say of your life, you're good. You're pleasing in my sight. I I endorse you. I'm backing you. There's an authentication that takes place by the Holy Spirit. It's a pretty incredible marking. It's like God has tagged your life. God has tattooed your life. He wants it to be very clear. There's something so permanent about a tattoo, isn't it? Have you ever talked to a friend and they have a tattoo? And uh, and initially, you know, there's some interesting questions like, did it hurt? The answer is kind of always yes, but most people go, no, but it probably did. And then the second question, at least if you're like me, I'm like, oh, well, what, what did that mean to you? And almost always people have a story. They're like, well, I got this specific tattoo at this time in my life because it meant this for me and I didn't want to forget. But then there's some people who are like, looked, looked cool, bored, dared. You know, I lost a bet. I won a bet. And, and there's just that type of thing. God did not flippantly endorse your life. He actually has a specific design and purpose authenticating what's on the inside of you. And the story is a good story. The Holy Spirit has marked your life. Are you getting this in your heart? Are you getting this in your spirit? This is good news. That this loving, extravagant, generous, gracious God has made sure to put a seal on your life, a marking saying, I belong to you and you belong to me. We belong together. It's like you're signed. Not only that, you're also sealed. I want people to know that what I've placed on your life, the seal of the Holy Spirit is an authentication that what is on the inside is really found good. That God no longer holds your sins against you. He no longer treats you as your sins deserve. He no longer looks at your record of wrongs. The Bible says he has forgotten them and he's removed our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. He's sealed our lives and said, what's on the inside is good. I see the righteousness of Christ Jesus when I look at this person, my son or my daughter. So a uh, uh, seal was an indication of ownership. It was an indication of authentication. And number three, it was an indication of intention. Often what would take place, it's not just putting like a brand or a seal on something that belonged to you and not just authenticating, but you would use your seal to indicate, I have made a down payment. I will return to pay the rest. One of the ways this happened is in uh, the region around Ephesus, there was forests and Trees would be selected and chosen for certain purposes, cut down and milled and sent down the river. And as they made their way down the river into the port of Ephesus, the people working in the port would look for the seal that was on a specific portion of logs. And the the seal indicated that there was a person who made the selection to choose that wood, that that was theirs, it belonged to them, they authenticated it was theirs, but they also had the intention to return for it. They had the intention to pay more for it in order to receive it. Well, this is what the mark of the Holy Spirit has meant to your life and to my life. God has marked you for more. He says, you belong to me and I belong to you. We belong together. It's like you're signed. You're sealed. I look at you and you say you're good. But he also is speaking to future intention, saying, oh, you think it's good now? Oh, it's going to get better than this. Oh, you, you, you think that was it? 
that whole worship song we just sang about God lavishing his love and pouring out his grace and, 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 and revealing his, his will. Oh no, that's just the beginning. There's more. It's an indication that God is still going to do above and beyond what we could ask for or even imagine. Come on, this is good news. If we were in a room right now, I'd be saying, come on, I got to hear you say amen. This is great news. The message of the gospel changes everything. Why would you choose to live for less when God has designed you and marked you for more? God's not done with you. For some people, you're like, if my story ended right now, I don't know that it would have a happy ending. Well, guess what? Your story's not over yet. God is still working in your life. But, but if you allow yourself, even reading a portion of scripture like this, you would actually say, whoa, it's actually been pretty amazing already. God's blessed me with every spiritual blessing. He chose me. He, he's chosen me for blamelessness and holiness. He loves me. He's got glorious grace for me. He's freely giving it out. He's marked me for redemption, for forgiveness. He's lavishing love. <sighs> he's making his will known. He's going to bring me into unity. Good news. And God has marked you for more. You are signed. You are sealed. And there is goodness yet to be delivered in your life. Have you ever got a, a tracking number for something? And I love, I love when you have a package coming, knowing there's a tracking number and being able to, to kind of know how close or how far to expect. There's nothing more frustrating than a tracking number that's just wrong. You got a package coming and you look up the tracking and it says it's delivered and you're looking, but it's not though. Well, the tracking number says it is. I, I recently had a package I was waiting on and and uh, it had been days and then it had been weeks. And I checked the tracking number and they said it's already delivered. Well, after about six or seven phone calls, they found out, oh, sorry. Yeah, we missed that one. We just, we thought we had delivered it. It's on its way now. It should take six to eight more weeks. And I was like, are you, are you joking? Guess what? It came the next day. On no side of this did I grow any sort of trust with the company that I was transacting with. But God, he's always on time. God, the more he has for you, is always on time. In fact, it says at the fullness of time, like just the right time, God wants to do this in your life. So the mark for more is a mark of ownership, a mark of authentication, and a mark of future intention. God has signed you, he has sealed you, and he's going to deliver something special in your life. But I told you that you're not just marked, you're marked for more. Now, now, just being marked, I'm actually, if we just stop there, I'd be like, this is pretty good news. God, though I didn't deserve it, chose me. And he says, I belong to you. You belong to me. We belong together. God has actually authenticated what's in my life and says, I see good in you. I don't, I don't hold your record of wrongs against you. And God has actually indicated a future intention for, for great things. He's, he's in this for the long haul. But he's also marked us for more. If you give me just a couple more minutes, can I highlight to you four areas that I think God has marked your life for more? I told you today's a good day to take down notes. So take down notes about these four things. You might find that one or two or three or all four really apply to the season that you're in right now. Ephesians chapter one, go down to verse 15. What you'll notice is that there's the shift from a moment of worship where everything that's happened so far is essentially Paul honoring and glorifying God for what he's already done. You've lavished love. You've poured out grace. You've made a way. You're blessing me in the heavenly realms. And now it shifts to intercessory prayer, a prayer on behalf of other people. Just a little side note. 
Worship, when it's done right, will always shift into intercessory prayer. When our eyes are fixed on Jesus, our heart becomes warmed by the things that warms his heart, and we find ourselves praying for and believing in faith for the things that God longs to do. I hope that's true for you. As you worship, that you find your heart warmed to the things that God's heart cares about. Well, here we go, verse 15. It says, for this reason, what reason? Oh, the reason that you are marked for more. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you. I'm going to tell you what he's going to give you in a moment. But what a great heart Paul has. He goes, I've just been thinking about how good God's already been to you. And every time I think about how good God's been, I just get so excited for more. Like, like let's not be those people who, who somehow think it would be holy or appropriate for us to not ever want or expect anything more from God. Say, God, you've already done more than enough for me. I'm good. Let's not be those people who go, yeah, gluten-free crust, four pieces of pepperoni, don't want to indulge. I'm good. Let's be those people who say, if God has more for me, pour it out, Lord. Lavish out your love. I want all you have for me. Could you make that your prayer in this series, these next five weeks? God, I want all that you have for me. Nothing more, nothing less. Paul says, every time I think about what God's already done, I just can't stop asking him to do more. I want the more that is in store for me. I want the more that God has marked me for. And he says this, I am praying continually that God would give you, number one, the spirit of wisdom. Vivid Church, I believe God has more wisdom for you. Every individual you're watching right now, God has more wisdom for you. The mark of the Holy Spirit in your life is this indication that God's ownership, authentication, and intention in your life is to pour out more wisdom in you. In fact, in the book of James, it says this, that God gives wisdom without finding any fault to anyone who would ask. God has more wisdom in store for you and I. Wisdom is not just knowledge. This is not just God saying, I'm going to pump more info into your life. Wisdom is life application. Wisdom is taking what we know and putting it into practice. God has more wisdom in store for you. And there are things that right now seem impossible that in God's picture of your future will be very possible. There's things right now that seem confusing that are about to move into the realm of clarity. There's things right now that seem uh, uh, daunting that are one day going to seem easy. Catch that in your spirit. There are things that seem impossible and daunting that are about to be possible and actually made easy. There are weaknesses in your life that God intends to turn into strengths by giving you more wisdom. You say, well, who am I going to ask for more? God's already saved me. God's already redeemed me. He's already pouring out blessings in my life. Who am I to ask for more? You're one who understands how significant his mark on your life is. He's marked you for more wisdom. Why don't you ask yourself even right now, is there an area of my life that I lack wisdom? Perhaps you, you say, I'm doing pretty good, but every time I think about money, I freak out, I stress out. It just seems confusing and scary and like I won't have enough and I need more. Maybe you say, I'm doing pretty good, but 
It's just my relationships. Like I keep striking out in every relational area. Maybe you say, I'm doing pretty good in those types of areas, but I have no idea what God wants to do in my life. I just have no idea how he wants to use me. We did that whole series a month or so ago about per capita, all the spiritual gifts. I still have no idea how I'm going to apply this to my life. Well, good news, God has marked you for more wisdom. Number two, not only has he marked you for more wisdom, the Bible says this, that he'd give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know him better. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. God not only has marked you for more wisdom, he's marked you for more vision, for more vision. That word enlightened means to illuminate. It's like God is about to walk in the room and turn the lights on to your future, that you would, in in wisdom applied to your present, have an illumination of, of the purposes for your future more vision for your life. There are a lot of us, we, we live less than the more God has for us because it's all we have vision for. And we look around us and we say, oh, it's pretty good, good enough. It's not too bad, could be worse. And we live with this low perspective of our life. Maybe because our vision has been derived only from what we compare to others. And we go, well, compared to that person, I'm doing well. Or we go, compared to that person, I lack so much skill. Who would I be to believe for more? Well, God has marked you for more wisdom. God has also marked you for more vision. I am praying and believing in these next five weeks and going forward that people all across our church would begin to have a more clarified vision for the role that they play in God's house, for the role that they play in the future of what this church will be, the role that they play in, in, in seeing the kingdom of God expressed and reflected all across society, all across our cities. May God give us more vision. May he illuminate and enlighten the eyes of our hearts. I love that because it speaks to our mind, our will, and our emotions, the whole of us, that we wouldn't just derive more information, but we'd have more clarity a vision for our purpose. That's good news, right? So God's marked you for more wisdom. He's marked you for more vision. And then check out this, that uh, he'd enlighten the, the eyes of our hearts in order that we may know the hope to which we've been called to. I believe God has marked you for more hope. You're marked for more hope. Not only wisdom, the ability to apply what you know and to see uh, information become action. Not only vision, a clarity for your future, but more hope. That enduring, positive, anticipatory, uh, joy-filled excitement, anticipating this could be the moment. I don't know about you, but hope has been on the decline in the world around us. Every headline has shifted to a more and more severe, hopeless picture of a bleak new normal and a bleak new future, but God has intended to give us more hope. You've been marked for more hope. There's something so beautiful about a person who simply has learned to wait upon the Lord, find their strength renewed, find that they can mount up on wings like eagles and fly and soar over these problems. I'm not saying that we won't see difficulty in the world around us, but David says this in the Psalms. Oh, I still believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I'm going to be strong and be full of hope and take heart and wait on the Lord. David Church, I'm believing that we would experience 
more hope. That the way we worship would be a more hopeful sound. That the way that we we apply what we know to the problems around us would be full of hope. That we wouldn't be looking around the next bend for the worst case scenarios. That we wouldn't be living in the worst case scenarios, but that we would be embracing the fullness of the hope that we have in Jesus. He's marked us for more, more wisdom, more vision, more hope. And number four, check this out. He says uh, this in the second half of verse 18, the hope to which God has called us, the riches of this glory, this glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Incomparably great power for us who believe. God has marked you for more power. This word incomparably is a word that all scholars would agree Paul just sort of invented. It's not used by any other writer of the time. He just put together some words and it basically means, I think the word is like hyper ballon, which means a really, really big ball. (laughs) So he just, he's like, I'm just going to put some words together. You have no idea. There's no actual word to even put description to how much power God has for your life. So I'm going to say it's a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious type of power. He just kind of invents a new word and says it's super big, guys, way bigger than you've been expecting. And so if you have expectations of God's power that are anything uh, compared to what you've experienced, they're too small. If they're anything compared to what you can uh, see around the world, uh, around you, they're too small. If they're anything linked to your present experience, they're too small. If they're even linked to your present imagination, they're just too small. God's power is incomparably great. Vivid. God has marked your life for more power. What kind of power? I'm so glad you asked. Let me show you. It says this, verse 19, and his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hands in the heavenly realm. It's far above all rule, far above all authority, far above all power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God has placed all things under his feet. And it just goes on and on and on describing this power. Guess what? In that, that little description, Paul stacks four synonyms. He, 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 he puts four words back to back to back to back. And they all mean kind of the same thing. He is making a repeated effort to try to convince us that the power of God is incomparably great. He uses the word dynamis, which is the same word from which we derive dynamite. It's explosive type power. It's potential power held up and about to explode into your life. He uses the word energia, which is the word for working, the type of word that says I've exerted my energy towards a a cause. He uses the word kratos, which means mastery at work. And then he uses this word ischis, which means available power when you need it, referring to the type of person who has more muscle than they need for a certain task. We're talking about a power lifter who's being asked to move a, a pillow. I, I love helping people move. Only my friends couldn't pay me enough to be a mover, but I love helping people I love move as long as they let me lift heavy stuff. 
Like if you're gonna ask me to come, let me lift your piano. Let me lift the heaviest things you got. I don't wanna come early and move some cushions because I don't wanna waste the strength I have. Well, here's the incomparably great power of God. It's dynamis, energia, kratos, it's just, it's explosive, it's at work, it's mastering what it does, and there's still more to spare. The power of God that you have been marked for, the more power that he wants to express in your life will blow your expectations out of the water. And all of this is promised to you and I by the indication that God has marked us. He's marked our life for more. We're signed, we're sealed, we're delivered. And maybe as the song lyric would conclude, I'm yours. God, I'm yours. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.